0: A blessed Lord's Day to all of you. Today, we will continue on with our journey through the book of 1 Samuel. As it was mentioned at the start of this series, 1 Samuel talks about transition, a transition in the history of the Israelites, a transition of governance from being ruled by judges to being ruled by a king, from theocracy to monarchy. That's why the book started with the story of Samuel, the last judge of Israel. Then it transitions quick, quickly to Saul, the first king of Israel, chosen by God according to the will of the people. But then Saul was rejected by the Lord because he failed to do uh, he failed to see what matters most to God. He obeyed the people rather than obeying the Lord. You see, even though Israel was to become a monarchy, it was still a theocracy because the king should submit to the Lord. And so while Saul was still on the throne, God already replaced him with a shepherd boy, David. And this man was not the kind of king the people wanted or expected. He was not the tall, dark, and handsome type. He was the quiet, shy type. There was nothing kingly about him, at least from the outside. But from the inside, he, was, he has what God wants from his king. You see, David was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. What does that mean? Today we will have a chance to see what it means when David was presented with a perfect opportunity to end all his troubles. All he has to do was to take matters into his own hands. Have you ever taken matters into your own hands? I'm sure you have. We all have at one point in our lives or another. It is hard to survive in this life without taking matters into our own hands. Maybe there is one point uh, in the family where a decision has to be made and no one wants to make the decision. And so, you step up. You take matters into your own hands and decide on behalf of the family. Or maybe at work or in school when you are part of a group project and things are not getting done. What do you do? You take matters into your own hands and do everything yourself just to get the job done. Sasabihin mo na lang sa teacher mo later na ikaw lang gumuwalat. Or maybe you are a parent, or and your child needs to finish a project in school which he doesn't want to do or doesn't know how to do. And so, what do you do? You do it for him so that he will not get a failing grade. You took matters into your own hands. Similarly, David, as I have mentioned earlier, was given the perfect opportunity to take matters into his own hands to end all his troubles by killing the man who has been hunting him down for no reason. And that was King Saul. You see, um, ever since David defeated Goliath, as we have learned last week, the people have been singing, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And because of this, Saul became treacherously jealous of David. Even though David was his armor bearer and he plays music for him, Saul threw his, spear st- threw his spear towards David to kill him, not once, but twice. And when that did not work, he plotted schemes to get David be killed in battle by their enemies, even offering up her daughter Michal to do so. But that also did not work, and so Saul made David an enemy of the state. And David was hunted by Saul and his army. Unfortunately for Saul, his own son Jonathan and her daughter and his daughter uh, Michal both loved David. And so they helped him escape a numerous times. But while being a fugitive, David was able to amass a following. There were around 600 men who followed him and became loyal to him as he continues to hide from Saul. And now here in 1 Samuel 24, our passage for today, the table suddenly turned for a brief moment. The hunted has become the hunter. As they were hiding in the caves of Engedi, an opportunity presented itself. They found Saul defenseless. And all David has to do was to take matters into his own hand and strike down Saul, and he was free. His troubles are over. The kingdom was his. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel 24 and read about it. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 to 22. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi." Then Saul took three thousand chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his man in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheep ho- sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, David and his man were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the man of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him. Because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe, he said to his man, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his man with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, "My Lord, the king." And when, the, and when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, "Why do you listen to the words of men who say, "Behold, David seeks you harm. Behold." This day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the Proverbs of the ancients say, Verse 16, as soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dwelt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me therefore by the Lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore to this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his man went up to the stronghold. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, this chapter paints a great contrast between Saul and David. We see here the difference between Saul, the people's king, and David, the king after God's own heart. David, we see how they responded to the situation and to the people. David did not take matters into his own hands even though his man told him to. In verse 4, it says, And the man of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Ito na yung mo. Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. As Saul was relieving himself, either doing a number one or a number two in One of the caves where David and his men were hiding, his men were trying to convince him that this was no coincidence. They said that God was finally delivering his enemy into his hand and that he should take advantage of it. But as David was stealthily cutting a piece of Saul's robe, as an act symbolizing taking power or authority over someone, his heart struck him. He realized that the man he was about to kill was the king that was chosen and anointed by God himself. You see, even though Saul was already rejected by God for his disobedience, in David's eyes, he was still the king. He was still the anointed of God. And anything or anyone anointed by God is dedicated holy to God, and they belong to Him. Just like the priests, the Levites, and all the temple items, they all belong to God for His use, for His special use. Therefore, as soul, Therefore, soul as the anointed of the Lord, belongs to the Lord and must be respected and should not be killed nor cursed. And so David commanded his man to leave Saul alone, And not to harm him. For the Lord forbids them to. You see, David fears God. And this was completely the opposite of what Saul did. By the advice of his supporters, Saul seeks to end David's life so as to secure his throne, even though David has no intent of taking the kingdom from him. We learned this from David's words to Saul when he finally revealed himself. Look at their Bibles in verse 8 to 9. It says, Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord, the King! And And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed. He bowed to Saul and his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of man who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. We have seen this before. Saul, as usual, listened to the words of his men and obeys them more than obeying God. Just like what he did in chapter 15. When he spared the Amalekite king and the livestock at the advice of his men. Saul, because of his supporters, told him to took matters into his own hands even to the point of disobeying God. And even to the point of killing an innocent man, that was David. But David, even with the advice of his man, restrained himself and even his man from killing his enemy. Because he knew that this will dishonor God. Many times we are more like Saul. We take matters into our own hands because other people tells us to. Maybe out of peer pressure or maybe because we agree with them that that is the smart thing to do. They might say, oh, ayan na, ano pa hinihintay mo, nang na pagkakataon mo. Or maybe they might give, you, uh, it might give you sensible advice, sensible reason on why you should do this and that and... They make sense. And so we follow their advice and take matters and take action, even though it is not ours to take. Even Abraham, the man of faith, fell to that trap when, he, when his wife Sarai convinced him to take matters into his own hands by sleeping with one of her maid servants so that they will have a son. Instead of waiting for God to fulfill the promise he has given them to give them a son as we have learned a few weeks ago pleasing people hinders our obedience to god and we see it here as well therefore we must be careful don't take matters into your own hands just because the people tells you to remember that man's choice is different from god's choice People usually do what is right in their own eyes rather than doing what is right in the eyes of God. This was the problem of the Israelites during the time of the judges, and this was the same problem of Saul. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not take matters into our own hands just because people tell us to. Instead, we must exert every effort to constantly listen to the voice of God and know His will. We must exert every effort to constantly listen to God and know His will. We must always exercise restraint before taking action and be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. And how do we do that? By reading God's Word daily. You know, the more we read God's Word, the more we get to know Him, and the more we get to understand His will— and the more we are able to follow Him, and the more we avoid disobeying Him, as the Psalm goes, "In um, uh, as the Psalm goes, I have hidden Your word in my heart, that I might not sin against You. I have hidden Your word in my heart, that I might not sin against You. The more we hide God's word, the more we read it, meditate on it, memorize it. The more we will know and understand God's will." the more it will help us to restrain ourselves and ask for the leading of the Spirit. UECP, let us not take matters into our own hands just because people tell us to. Instead, let us make every effort to know God and know His will. Let us tune out the voice of man and instead tune in to the voice of God by constantly reading and meditating on His Word. Another reason why people take matters into their own hands aside from being pressured by other people is when the perfect opportunity presents itself, when everything seems to fall in the right place. Many people take it as a sign to take action. This was true of King Saul as well. In verse 1 to 2, it says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi.'" And so Saul took 3,000 men chosen out of all Israel and went to seek David and his man in front of the wild goat's rock. In the previous chapter, if you read it, Saul and his army almost captured David and his men, if not for the Philistines who attacked the land. Saul has to abandon his hunt for David to fight off the invading Philistines. But immediately after this, his scouts reported that David and his men were hiding in the wilderness of Engedi, And Saul did not want to waste this opportunity. David got away once already, thanks to the enemy, but he will not get away again. And so Saul took 3,000 men with him five times larger than David's army, to avoid any chance of them escaping. This was his shot of capturing David and end any threat of anyone usurping his throne. And so, Saul took matters into his own hands when he found the opportunity. You know, David also saw the opportunity he has right in front of him. There was his enemy, his tormentor, sitting there defenseless, trapped. All he needed to do was to lift his sword and strike the man down. But what did he do? He did nothing. He let Saul go. And then afterwards, he let Saul know about it. In 1 Samuel uh, 24, verse 11, look at your Bibles. It says, Behold, this day you have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in, in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see. See the corner of your robe in my hand. For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. David had his shot to end his torment, to be free, to live in peace, to take up his throne just by a swing of the sword. And yet, he did not take it. He let the opportunity get away from him because he knew that even though the opportunity presents itself, it doesn't mean he can do whatever he wants. It doesn't mean that it was the ghost signal that he can take matters into his own hands. You know, but our world works differently. It agrees more with soul rather than David. In the most famous musical, Hamilton, that tells the life of one of America's founding father, Ale- Alexander Hamilton, the most popular song there is entitled, My Shot, where Hamilton raps, I am not thrown away my shot, I am not throwing my shot. Hey yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. The song tells so much of our society today, which teaches us that when the opportunity presents itself, take your shot. Take matters into your own hands. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance, because opportunity comes once in a lifetime. By the way, that's from Eminem. Yes, yes. Sometimes, circumstances and opportunities are ways that God gives His go signal. But that is not always the case. Remember what Pastor Leonidas taught us two weeks ago? How do we discern the will of God? He gave us five areas to consider. God's Word, prayer, godly counsel, circumstances, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he told us that having one is not enough all of them, or at least four, should point towards the same direction before we can confirm that it is God's will for us. You know, having the right circumstances to fall into place doesn't mean it is already a go signal from God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't take matters into your own hands just because the perfect opportunity presents itself. Don't take matters in your own hands just because the perfect opportunity presents itself. Discern the will of God first. Don't just take any circumstances as a sign. Before you take any uh, of them as a sign from God to take action, ask yourself first, have you been praying for it? Have you been praying for a sign? If you haven't, then, take it, uh, don't, then that probably is not a sign from God. What do we do? Instead, we must take every opportunity to obey what God already commands us to do. We must take every opportunity to obey what God already commanded us to do. When there is a chance to share the gospel, we must share it. When we see someone who is in need, we must help immediately. When we see a member who is not being discipled, we must invite them immediately to join our group or help him find a group that will suit him. You know for these things you don't need to ask God's will. His answer is already go. Do it. But for those he did not command us to do, let us not just take matters into our own hands. Pero usually balikta de, eh, no. The things that he commanded us to do, we still take wait lang wait lang. And the things did not say uh, God did not tell us to do, sometimes if it um concerns us it it will benefit us we do it immediately and we say god's will no let's not take opportunity into our uh, take matters in our own hands just because the opportunity is there as we have learned from the mistakes of soul presumption is a sin against god so Let's not take matters into our own hands just because the opportunity presents itself. Instead, we must take every opportunity to obey what God has already commanded us to do. Discern the will of God through God's word first and through prayer. And concentrate on doing what He already commanded us to do, to go and make disciples Another reason why people take matter into their own hands is because they believe that it is the easy way out of their problems. Many take matter into their own hands out of desperation. And we see the same for Saul. He was concerned for his own life and his family. So he tries to eliminate any threat that would harm him and his family. And to him, that, harm was, that threat was David. We can see that in his confession to david after learning how david spared his life in the cave he admitted that david was indeed the better man and will one day inherit the kingdom from him but he begged david to spare him and his family look at their bibles in verse 20 to 21 it says and now behold i know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of israel shall be established in your hand Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy me out of my father's house. You know, David also knew that the easiest way out of his problems was to take matter into his own hands and strike down Saul. He knew that by sparing Saul's life, his problem will continue. Saul will continue to hunt him down and kill him. How how do we know that he knows? Because even after Saul relented from his cruelty and said all of these nice things about David, David did not trust Saul. He did not go back home. But instead, he went to his stronghold that was written in verse 22, the final verse of the chapter. And true enough, in the following chapters, verse 25, 26, Saul so resumes his hunt for David, and David was on the run again. I hope we don't mistake this as foolishness from God. Uh, foolishness from David. It was out of his fear and reverence to the Lord that he spared Saul's life. He did not dare touch nor harm the Lord's anointed. And also, it was his trust and dependence. In the Lord's judgment, and uh, that uh, restrained him from taking matters into his own hand. In verse 15, look at your Bible. It says, "May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it, and plead my cause, and deliver me from your hand." What do we see here? You know, it would have been over if he killed Saul right there and uh, right then and there. His men would not blame him for it. After all, he was the victim. But no, he would rather prolong his agony rather than take the place of God as judge and vindicator. He knows that in God's perfect time and God's perfect way, God will judge between him and soul and God will vindicate and deliver him. You know, may we have the same attitude as David, especially when we are in a tough situation, let us not take matters into our, into our own hands just because it is the easy way out. Let us not take matters into our own hands just because it is the easiest way out. Sadly, our society teaches otherwise. What do I mean? Just look at how our world deals with unplanned pregnancy. What is their solution to unplanned pregnancy? Abortion. They believe in pro-choice, taking matters into their own hands. They say that they have a right for their own bodies over the life of their unborn child. But we forget that all life belongs to God. Our bodies are not ours. It belongs to God. The baby inside the mother's, the mother's body is, belongs to God. What then gives us the right to terminate a life that God has created in us? In Psalm 139, the psalmist says, For you, unf- for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Their unformed body belongs to God. And as David feared God and dare not harm Saul because he, belo- he, he knows Saul belongs to the Lord, may we have the same fear and reverence towards God and His every creation. Let us not take matters into our own hands just because it is the easy way out. Instead, we must learn to wait and trust in the Lord's deliverance let's trust in God's perfect time in God's perfect way let us trust in his righteousness let's trust in his love let's knowing that he will deliver those who are blameless in his sight you know David was in a very dark place during the time when Saul was hunting him how do we know this one of his, some of his psalms were written while he was hiding in the cave. An example is Psalm 57, verse 1 to 3. But listen to him while he was in that dark place. Listen to his psalm. He says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness while David was in a dark place. He didn't take matters into his own hands. Instead, he fixed uh, his eyes on who his God is. And he is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. You see, let us not take matters in our own hands just because people tell us to, or just because the opportunity presents itself, or just because it is the easy way out. Instead, let us trust in the steadfast love and faithfulness of God by putting matters into his hands. No matter how life, how hard life can be, no matter how unfair we are being treated by others, no matter what the circumstances may be, let's not put matters in our own hands, but instead put them in the hands of our faithful and loving God, knowing that He is in control, he, is, he will do what is best for us, and He will be the one to deliver us, and He will be the one to judge our enemies. Brothers and sisters, if you find it hard to do so, may, we, may you find inspiration by looking at our Lord Jesus. You know, in the garden, as he was sweating blood, what does he do? He did not run away. He prays, Not my will, but yours be done. While he was being betrayed and arrested, he told Peter to put down his sword and even healed one of the soldiers arresting him. As he was being judged, he was being humiliated, he kept silent. He could have commanded all the angels to get him and rescued him, but he did not. As he was being crucified, he prayed, Forgive them not, for they do not know what they do. And in his final breath, he commits his soul to his father. Seems like a sad story. It seems like a tragedy because he did not take matters into his own hands. But you see, the story did not end there. The story did not end with his body on the cross because on the third day, he rose from the dead. The end of the story was not the cross, but the empty tomb. But he rose from the dead, brought salvation for all who believes in Him. And now, even though He did not take matters into His own hands, now He sits on the right hand of God and given the name above every name. I know it is hard. Life is hard and um, if we do not take matters into our our own hands, mapag-iiwanan tayo dito sa buhay na to. But David did not take matters into his own hands and trusted his God. Our Lord Jesus did not take matters into his own hands even to the point of death. He came and he was set to do the will of the Father. He entrusts his life to his Father knowing full well that he will suffer. But also knowing that God will glorify Him in the end. Brothers and sisters, that is our hope that even though our life here on Earth is hard, even though we do not take matters into our own hands and life is going to be hard for us, we will be taken advantage of. We know the who the victory, who holds the victory in the end and that is our, our God. More than David, Jesus was truly the man after God's own heart. And we must follow His example to the end. Let us not put matters into our own hands, but instead, put it in the hands of our Lord and Savior and put our complete trust in Him, knowing that He already brought victory in our lives And He will lead us to complete victory when He returns. Let's not take matters into our own hands, but put everything and trust the hands of our God, our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to look at the life of Saul and David and to learn from it. Father, we know that many times we are tempted to take matters into our own hands. When people pressure us to, when people, uh, when the opportunity comes and when it's the easiest way out, it's so easy to just take action, take matters into our own hands. But Father, help us to restrain ourselves and instead know you and know your will and obey your will. Father, forgive us, Lord, For the many times that, you know, we do not take action, we do not um, obey your will, when you call us to share the gospel, to help those who are in need, to disciple others, Lord, we are so reserved, we are so hesitant. But things that will bring us fortune, that bring us um, luxury, Lord, we're so easily we easily grab them. Instead of knowing your will. Father, forgive us. Lord, we pray that you will help us fix our eyes on Jesus, to follow his example, that even though he has all the power in the world, he did not take matters into his own hands, but instead he is laser-focused in obeying your will. May we be the same. May, we, may you teach us, Lord, to, do, to follow the example of our Lord Jesus putting matters into Your hand and trusting Your good and perfect will. This is our prayer in our lives. This is our prayer for UECP and this is our prayer for our country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.